Welcome to the Leader Manager Coach Podcast, your weekly podcast where we take a deep dive examining knowledge, philosophies, wisdom and insights to help you to lead, manage and coach in football, sports and life. Leader Manager Coach is presented by Rob Riles. Rob is a qualified coach with a League Managers Association qualification and a science and medicine background. He has worked in the football industry in Europe, USA and Africa at international, premiership, league, non-league and grassroots levels with World Cup and European Championship experience. Hello and welcome to another edition of Leader, Manager, Coach. Welcome to the podcast. It's Rob Riles welcoming you to another programme. Now this morning I am recording this episode purposely outside because it needs to be outside because the weather's great but also just to kind of hopefully with some audible stimulation, give you a a little bit of a taste of of, of what it's like here. So this, although this isn't the third episode that I've recorded for the podcast out in Bangladesh, this is the third one, particularly about the experience of Bangladesh. And look, the reason for me, talking about this is absolutely nothing to do with me saying hey look at me look what I'm doing aren't I great it's completely the opposite this is about an attempt to try and share what this experience is like because it is one heck of an experience and experiences are very personal experiences are very subjective and what's Heaven for one person is hell for another. You know, one man's meat is another man's poison. That's life. But what I wanted to do, stimulated by so many times the question being asked of me, what's it like? What's it really like? And what I've tried to do, particularly in the first few weeks, is just to share one or two little videos and one or two photographs quite carefully and quite subtly because I'm very aware that social media is an animal and animals need controlling sometimes and uh, I'm quite a cautious social media user. I think it's fantastic, I think it's an amazing tool, I think it's powerful, I think it's beautiful to be able to connect with people all over the world, particularly those you love and your family and the technological advances that we've got today makes Things like this, being away from the, your loved ones and, and your your home, if you like, and your country of origin, so much easier. And the ability to share makes things so much better. But also, we have to balance that with the fact that nothing is all good and nothing is all bad, really. So, I just wanted to share, to take this opportunity in this particular podcast episode, which is... The first one was Welcome to Bangladesh, which is about, you know, just getting here and arriving and and the kind of the excitement and the anticipation and and, and the travel and settling down. And the the second one was called Learning Bangla, which was all about a little bit of early consolidation and meeting people and building relationships and creating trust and making some assessments and settling down. And this one is about sharing more of a real experience of what it's like 
There's a large aircraft just flying overhead, so... We'll just wait a moment. Right, that's how it is here. Um, it's a city centre hotel that we're staying in. And it's right separated by a, a significant brick wall away from a, a busy road. And as I look out, I'm sitting on a rooftop terrace, a very nice rooftop terrace of a hotel. It's 8 o'clock on a Saturday morning, which is, which is our day off tends to be our day off and it's overcast but it's very warm it's humid yesterday we had probably the most torrential downpour that we've experienced since we've been here in Dhaka it is the rainy season and the locals always talk about the rainy season and yesterday we experienced water within one hour of a downpour being three to four feet high in places on the roads as we travel back. Our driver is a guy called Mosin. Fantastic local guy who's also the kit man for the national team and he's our driver. And if it wasn't for him, we would never make training. So um, he negotiated it well. And so yeah, that's what it was like yesterday, but it's dried up as it does. And that's kind of what it's like. So I'm, I'm, I'm on this rooftop terrace. I'm overlooking the city of Dhaka, which I believe, and I'm, you know, don't quote me, I'm not here to give you facts and figures that are accurate as like that, but I believe there's about 16 million people live in Dhaka. And it is a busy, busy, busy city. If you want an experience of what it's like to, to be in a place that's almost as far removed from a peak district hamlet, which is where I lived, before I came here, the contrast could not be greater. And the sensory overload of just being in this place is almost worth the, the whole journey in itself. And obviously that sensory overload settles down because as human beings we adapt and, and our brains and our nervous systems adapt. But the initial impact of being in a city with so many millions of people in such a small contracted area with traffic that's beyond anything I've ever experienced and probably most of the listeners to this have ever experienced unless of course you live in I don't know Mexico City and Tokyo or places I've never been to so I've only seen them on the on, on video etc there are motorbikes there are rickshaws, hundreds, thousands of rickshaws. And CNGs, which are, is the name for motorized rickshaws, cars, lorries, buses, coaches, people walking across the roads, cycles, you name it, transportation, it's there. And that is just part of the process of negotiating life here. And it's just one of the things, but it's probably the thing that hits you. As you can hear, it's a Saturday and it's a day off and it's quiet day, but this is quiet. Okay. So just to give you a taste. So I'm sitting out, I'm looking out over the city. And as I look out, there are hundreds 
of high-rise buildings stretching out into the distance. There is building going on everywhere. There are balconies, there are air conditioning units, there are satellite dishes, there are businesses, there are small shops, there are small car showrooms, there are side streets, there are tin roofs, there are people walking up and down, you know, four stories below me. It's Dakar and it's an amazing experience. And within this, we are blessed to come and coach for the national team, the national youth team. So our training ground is about, okay, 20 minutes. People, the, the, the normal behavior on um, the Bangladesh road is to peep your horn, okay? So in the UK, if somebody peeps their horn at you, then it will evoke an emotional response in both parties. The person who is proactively peeping their horn, who is aggravated and angry, and the secondary response of the person who has, is the recipient of that peeping of the horn will then become angry themselves. Well, that doesn't happen here. It's a completely normal procedural thing that if you are traveling down the road and you wish somebody to get out of your way, you peep your horn. The person who peeps the horn doesn't get angry, they don't say anything, they don't raise their hands, they don't make gestures, and neither does the person who is in the way. They just move out of the way if possible. If it's not possible, they don't move out of the way. And, you know, there's a big lesson in that. We, we in the UK, we get aggravated, we fall out, we argue, we have a bad day, a bad three hours, a bad two hours, and we upset ourselves and we lose our focus because somebody is in our way on the roads. Do yourself a favor, Buy yourself a flight for a thousand pounds. Come over to, to Dhaka, spend a couple of days here, drive on the roads and go home. It'll be the best thousand pounds you spent because the time you'll spend back home in the UK or wherever you are, understanding that you don't have to get aggravated will be well worth the cost. Okay, I say that tongue in cheek, but you know, it's a lesson that's, that's so, so, so worth, worth taking on board. So our training ground is about 20 depending on the traffic, 20 minutes drive from, from our hotel and, it, and it's out, we drive out of the city, Nottingham does those amazing U-turns and look, on the road here there's no rules really, people just do what they want, they, they, they don't go into the right lane, they just go where they want and get the quickest route and they go on the, so they go on the outside to turn left because there's nobody there and, and people are three abreast trying to turn left and right, just do what you can to get there. So we get there and as we leave the city we go over a couple of bridges and there's building work going on either side, but then it becomes very rural or semi-rural and there are little businesses and building businesses and people selling bamboo and bricks and, and hardcore and people walking cattle up and down. And then we turn off and there are little, little shacks where people have businesses selling food and sweets, maybe chickens, maybe coffee, maybe fruits, vegetables, you know, sporadically along the road. The roads are rough. And sometimes, you know, you think, wow, if Moshin doesn't concentrate here, we're gonna go off the road, but he never does. And there are children walking cattle, there are chickens, and there are mothers walking with children to school or not. And there are kids playing in the river or the pond or the pool 
shampooing themselves up in the water, all kinds of things. People fishing on the way to our training ground. And then we, as we negotiate these little villages, we get there, we pull up, and we're in this oasis almost, this beautiful oasis of greenery, which is so well looked after. We're next to a, a factory called Fortis, whose training ground it is, who own the, the ground which we use. And there we train, and it's a, a beautiful environment. It's uh, surrounded by, by walls, so it's contained. The pitches are, although there's only one big pitch, it's well looked after, manicured. And this is an amazing thing. There are three or four ladies who spend their whole working day on their haunches, picking bad grass, dried grass, weeds, unwanted grass off the pitch so we can play football. And I'm told, this is not, not validated, but I'm told they are paid three or four, the equivalent of three or four pounds a day. They do. They're there when we get there in the morning. They're always there when we leave uh, in the afternoon, at the end of the day. Stark, a little bit concerning, con disconcerting, but that, that is the reality. So the grasses are cut for us and, and marked out when it can, when they can, and they mark the pitches out. Their lines are dead straight. The lines are true. They mark the pitches out with paint. Not sure what type of paint it is, but I've seen a Dulux can, and they mark it out with a mop. They lay tape down to make it straight, then they follow that with their mop, and when you come the next day, the pitch is marked out. It's perfect in terms of its dimensions, and they've done it with a mop. Respect. So then, that's where we train, just across the road. We have the players' dormitories, which houses up to 60-odd players, aged from approximately 15 up to 19. And some of the local coaches who, who live in to make sure the boys are, are looked after and the due diligence of making sure their welfare is taken care of. That's where the boys are. They live, they, they've got their dormitories, obviously where they shower, their laundry's done. They do their laundry themselves. You know, they're well disciplined. They look after themselves. The food is bought in at the moment by a, an external company, but there are things afoot to establish an internal catering system to make it more efficient. And that's where the local coaches are. And it's, you know, a two minute walk across to the training pitches for the boys. So we go there every day and you know, it's a blessing. We put our, our sessions on. We do our 11v11s. We do our small-sided games. We do our, our possession practices. We do our functional practices, our set plays. We do whatever we do. We, you, you're coaches. You know what you do. We do our individual work. We do our strength and conditioning work. We have a five-pronged approach to the physical corner. We get our training done the boys go back they have their lunch they come back we do we you know we do our other sessions whether it's a recovery session or a yoga type stretching and, and range session whatever it is 
You know that you know the drill. You work your own teams. You do it yourselves. But that's our our working week. And then we negotiate the roads back with Moshin, our driver, who waits for us. And in the day, he brings us water round, and we are well, well, well looked after. And with the local coaches, it's an absolute dream. If you're a if you're a coach, and you're listening to this, you know. This is a blessing because we have, I say to my guys, okay, go, go and I want, a, I want a 60 by 40, I want a 50 by 70, I want two 40 by 40s or I want two 20 by 20s with eight bibs in yellow, four bibs in, in, in green and two floaters and they just go and do it. They are well drilled, they are really, really good at, at what they do and we have a good team. So that's what it's like on a day-to-day on -day basis. And then, you know, and it, it just in terms of, there goes another plane overhead. Maybe that's going back to the UK. I don't know. But we, we come back to the hotel and we obviously our meals are supplied to us. And, you know, the coaches, myself and, and uh, Bob and Andy, we'll talk about the day. We'll chat about this and that and the other. And how did this go? And what about that player? And what about this player? And, um, you know, there is so much potential. So that's kind of our, how, our, how, how our day goes. It's, um, you know, it, we tend in the mornings to do, we've set up our program. So in the, the, the initial part of the day, we do, um, I, we're, I certainly, I want to think, the, you know, the other coaches are, are on board with it. I'm, I'm certainly into the mastery of technical skill. And the first, the first part of the day, we tend to spend with the boys doing individual technique work to master simple, basic skills of technique so that the maxim is don't practice till you get it right, practice till you cannot get it wrong. Practice till you cannot get it wrong. If you wonder what that's all about, go back and listen to one of the very first episodes of the podcast on that amazing book, very small book by George Leonard called Mastery because if you can get those few simple key fundamentals maybe like Pete Sampras and Roger Federer and all the amazing tennis pros they got amazing forehand amazing backhand amazing serve amazing smash amazing drop shot so those five key things just off the top of my head they've mastered they spent 20 years doing it, 25 years, 15 years, I don't know. So that's one of the, the principles that we kind of get, try and get into the boys, look, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 years of age. Look, if you can get a 10-yard pass and get it so good that you just do it all the time, every time, never miss, no matter what the pressure situation, great. So those are the kind of things we do. Then we, we often get into, a, into a, the physical corner pretty early on, and we'll do whether that's a power session, it may be a strength session, particularly focusing obviously on the lower limbs because of the sport we're in. Then, you know, we may do an SAQ or a, or a speed session. And after that, that's probably up to around 80, 90 minutes of work. The boys will have a rest, they'll have water, they'll have a snack, and coaches will maybe have a, have a short break if we're lucky, we'll get a cup of ginger tea, which comes from the little shack across the road, which occasionally Mina, one of our 
coaches takes us across to and we sit yes we sit with the flies and and we sit with the locals and we have a a couple of exchange of a couple of bengali words which is a great pleasure and an absolute experience in itself to sit in this little shop where they sell sweets and chocolate and all kinds of biscuits and ginger tea and milk tea and whatever kind of tea you want here to experience that little bit of of, of Bangladesh is wonderful. We come back, we put our main first session of the day on, and it's you know whether it's again you, you want to go into the detail, but you know you're 11 v 11, your functional practice, your possession practice, whatever it is, we set that up, and we go, and then we'll work till lunchtime, and it's lunchtime, and sometimes we'll stay and have lunch together, or we may come back to the hotel and have lunch, and then go back for the afternoon session, and that's how it goes. It's a blessing to be able to put hours of work into something that you love where you've got a pitch to work with, you've got coaches to help you, you've got things to set up and you can get on with it and it's a complete blessing and that's a lot of that's due to some of the the work that's gone on before by you know people like Paul Smalley and um, people who've put the foundations in place to to make these things facilitate these things if you like and to just look out now just down the road um, one of the other coaches, the goalkeeping coach, is just taking a walk down the road. Maybe he's going for a coffee this morning, not sure. He's just going to stretch his legs, but um, there we go. So that's life in Bangladesh. Today, as I say, is a rest day, and it's you know a welcome day to just do some reflection. We may do some planning. I mean, myself and Andy were talking last night that we feel like over the last few days we have filled, or we could fill, 20 sheets of A3 paper on what about this formation and what about that formation and what about that team and, and do we need to release this player and do we need to get a couple of players in, in this position? You know, and, and it's such a blessing. If you're into your sport, you're into your coaching, this kind of experience is a complete blessing. And yes, look, Bangladesh in terms of world world rankings are below 150. They're, I think when we came there about in the 100 something like 180th in the world, maybe 185, I don't know exactly. Then they obviously qualified under Jamie and Stuart and, and Bobby, you know, and they've, they've got into the next stage of, of World Cup qualification and they've moved up the rankings. But Bangladesh are keen to, as an example of a country who want to grab hold of, of knowledge and want to grab hold of experience and want to grab hold of, of things that can move them up and help and, and facilitate and I suppose that's part of the reason that we're here. And it's a blessing. It is a complete blessing. Believe you me. And hopefully we can input that and move it on. One thing, one lesson that's absolutely fundamental and it's underlined again. And it doesn't matter where you are in the world. Things take time. Now here, this is one of the biggest lessons Things take time. What will take two days in the UK, probably in the States and Australia, I don't know, will take three weeks here. And that is not a criticism, although it's frustrating. It is how things are. And if you get yourself all bent out of shape, if you get yourself twisted and angry and furious, the only person that will suffer is you, because that's a principle, isn't it? It doesn't matter where you are in the world, but things do take time. The, the processes 
part of the the smooth transitional processes that facilitate great functioning teams and organizations are the administrative side and you can have the best technical side in the world but if your administrative processes in your business in your life or the financial aspects of what you do are unkempt they are not clean they are you know that they're not in order then there will be glitches in the system and it will impact the other things because things are multifaceted and yes here there are financial challenges like there are everywhere but there are financial challenges this you know relatively and I don't want to get into political discourse but there is a lot of poverty around just as in the UK there's poverty but there's more poverty here and it's harsh sometimes and you see people eking out a living for a few pounds a day day in day out probably six even seven days a week and you know this is a football podcast yes it's a live podcast and this today is a little bit more about life although we're talking about football as well it's just to give you a flavor of what it's like there are people men who drive these rickshaws they are heavy bicycles with a seat on the back with two wheels on the back so they're three wheel cycles specifically made to carry passengers and sometimes you see a man with two three four people on his rickshaw and luggage and they are grinding out grinding out yard by yard by yard probably for a few tacker and they do it for hours and hours and hours every single day why because they probably do not have a choice this is what life has laid at their door and one of the lessons from that that we can all take no matter what our situation no matter what our niche no matter what happens is life lays things at our door Sometimes we like them, sometimes we're happy about them, and sometimes we fight them, we hate them, we get angry about them, we get upset, we feel, why me, etc., etc., etc. And one of the blessings of being here, one of the amazing things, is having that, and as I just look down on the street now, there's a guy with a green rickshaw with nothing on it but himself probably breathing a sigh of relief and on the other side of the road is a rickshaw rider with a man and his luggage who is struggling along just to give you the contextual reality but going back to the situation it's a blessing that that lesson can be learned from this so yes here we are coaching football and trying to make a difference and last night at the table we talked about well how do we make a difference because there are some boys here who without a shadow of a doubt in our opinion in, in the opinion of the coaches and we're talking about people who've played the game professionally in the UK at the top level in the Premier League who we know would make a splash in the English professional game but there are challenges in getting these young men out and hopefully possibly maybe with the tournaments 
with the difference that we can make, we may be able to get opportunities for those boys who can go abroad, who can play, and can return to this country and represent their country at the national level. To give Bangladesh some credibility, so those boys can bring back a different style of football, and bring back all their learning and impact in a positive way their own culture and their own teams and the national team. That will take time. And as we, you know, the lesson we were talking, how can we, last night, how can we impact this? How can we make these changes? Well, look, we've already talked about one lesson. It's going to take time, probably longer than we're on this earth. And the only thing we can do is affect one day at a time, one session at a time, one life at a time, and, and one person. And maybe that's true in, in all our niches. You know, we get frustrated and we think, how on earth can little old me change all this? Well, Gandhi said, if you want to change something, you have to be the change. And you can just be it on a daily basis and go about your daily business being what it is you want to see. And maybe 10 years, two decades, three decades, four decades, or maybe ask the relatives of Nelson Mandela. He just did it and did it and did it. And one day he's released from prison and the rest is history. And we can take lessons from that and we can just make those little changes. So maybe I'm rambling on and I'll bring the podcast to an end, but this is number three. Don't know what I'm going to call this episode, but I'm going to sign off. And hopefully there's a few lessons in there, but also just to give you a little taste and a share of what it's like living and working in Bangladesh. And for going a little bit niche, if there's any of you coaches out there listening to this, no matter where you are in the world, no matter what you're thinking, if you have an opportunity to step out of your comfort zone, if you have an opportunity to go and do something that scares you initially, that means you have to make major changes in your life, but it's what you want to do. Only you will decide. But grab hold of it. Go and give it a go. And see what happens. Great chatting. If you want to let me know what you think, www.robriles.co.uk, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook. Let me know. Send me a message. As always, appreciate you listening. Thank you for your time. Catch you later. Bye-bye.